Yo soy tu madre Arquetípicamente masoquista Me he tragado la mentira pornográfica Adolesco de pasiones sintéticas sido víctima y dudo mucho de mi validez interior yo yo que soy tu madre incapaz de resistir mi degradación opresora por derivación Soy tu santa madre, envilecida, ontológicamente reducida. Yo, 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 yo soy tu madre, desecrada por la teología, por la psicología. Por la poesía Y así Soy tu madre Perdóname Por el dolor Por el asco Por la necesidad de castigo porque te parí radicalmente pasiva, privada de tu participación en la evolución de la vida. Yo, yo que soy tu madre. sacarnos del barrio para borrarnos del mapa ah, 
Me largué amamantando Y buscando paraísos Fui a dar a la racada misma del matricidio Mi corazón ardiendo en el boquete de la guerra Se vio de cerca con el pecado original Pero salí huyendo de nuevo Perpetua fugitiva del gran enfrentamiento y reincidí en el vicio de cruzar burlando fumándome los ojillos malignos de la policía del mundo envuelta en mi cuerpo de iguana mi cara de pandillera my del crimen con ella intacta intacta después de todo Welcome to the Common Thread Collective here, MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val here. Diamond Dave, how are you today? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm good enough to be here on this rainy day in San Francisco. Uh, my mind is sharp, but my body, my body is willing enough to step by step get me here from my, uh, from my cave, from my cave. But here we are, and hey, Valerie. Yeah. This is a, a friend of yours from a, from uh, some time. Yeah, it has this beautiful book called "The Gospel of Everyone." Yeah, we've got our first guest today is Paul Tota, Paul Tota, who's written this yeah. uh, poetic retelling of the Gospel of Luke. Um, so we're going to be talking about that and getting into that in just a few minutes. I think that um, our our friend Bloodflower out there is at the piano to give us a musical I, introduction. I see him and I hear him. Take it away, Bloodflower. Take it away, Bloodflower. Thank you. 
Thank you, Blood Flower. And uh, now might be a good time to, to mention that Blood Flower is uh, co-producing a, sh a showcase of poetry called Kasi Dat, which is happening on Sunday afternoon, 3 to 5 p.m., this coming Sunday uh, on the 19th um, at Adobe Books. And uh, man of many talents, our friend Blood Flower. Thanks, Blood Flower. And Paul Tota. Yeah, and we now Welcome. we we have our, our our fine guest of today, Paul Tota. He's hey, uh, Paul Tota. I just put it together. Tota, you and you are. You, we mentioned Palestinian, and you are Palestinian. That's correct. I've uh, I've known many Totas uh, in the, the various when the, when the Palestinians had the corner stores. Many of them were named Tota. Am All I right? my cousins. Yep. Tota. Every, but now it seems like the Palestinians have moved up, and the Yemen and the Yemenis have moved in in the corner store. That's the way of things. You know, it used to be Irish in all, all the stores and then Jewish. Yeah, I'm I mean, Jewish. Uh, my grandfather had stores. And so each generation as they come in, that's their jumping off place. And here you are. My father, John Toda, bucked the trend. He was a hairstylist. He was a barber in Ramallah and Jerusalem. In Ramallah. Came sure. over here on a student visa and did, did uh, hair in uh, Lakeside Village for 35 years. John's a Lakeside. So we were the only ones who didn't have a corner store. And here, here you are emerging, and you and uh, you and uh, Valerie, you went to high school together, right? At Saving Nation. Well, we have the connection of the high school. Yes, we I, both. I'm a, I'm a wee bit older than Valerie. <laughs> That's right. We're, we both went to uh, Saint Ignatius College Preparatory here in San Francisco, where Paul has been uh, the director of communications for several years and an English teacher there for many years, um, and a poet. Of course. Um, but I also want to mention the fact that, that Paul also puts together the quarterly um, alumni magazine, Genesis, which goes out to thousands of families around the country um, and interviews of alumni who are working on interesting projects. And so, Paul, you're, you're used to writing uh, other people's stories, in a sense, or stories of other people um, through interviews. But this new book that you have, The Gospel of Everyone, a poetic retelling of the Gospel of Luke, um, poetically tells the stories of those people who were uh, affected directly by the life of Jesus. We're there at the Sea of Galilee. Galilee, and back there, the fishermen. The fishermen where he said, put down your load and load and follow me. Am I right? That is correct. In fact, you, your poem, I was just reading a poem. I opened up to it, and that's the poem you, in fact, had marked. Uh, which is about just that. I'd love to hear it. Could you read that? Absolutely. And just a little bit about about what this book is, is it's a, uh, as I, the subtitle says, a poetic retelling of the Gospel of Luke. So what I'm doing here is nothing canonical, nothing about dogma. I'm not trying to correct a historical record. I'm trying to reimagine the scenes from a, a book that's perhaps too familiar, that's become you know, on the on the sort of on the shelf like icons, and you know, we we almost don't pay attention to the reality of the words anymore. We don't picture what once was. So I tried to use the the spiritual exercises of Saint Ignatius to put myself in the scene, to meditate, to contemplate, to use my imagination to conjure up all the senses, all the words, all the experiences of what of what these people were. One of my favorite passages is this Peter. And Peter's, you know, not a very bright guy. He's a fisherman. He's, I know, by the way, I know a lot of very bright fishermen, no slant against, no slander against fishermen. But Peter, you know, suddenly he's fishing all night long. He comes, he's exhausted. He comes back 
and there's this stranger on the shore asking him to go row out again. And I tried to imagine what that experience was like. And so this poem came from that meditation. All night long, we flung our nets onto the dark water, pulling in only two small fish, not even a breakfast for the three of us. We had borrowed money to buy this boat. We feared we might never pay it off. Then, when dawn came, we rode to shore where a crowd on the beach listened to a man we had never seen before. We hopped over the side and yanked the boat to our mooring. He stepped in and asked us to row him out a bit. We could have cared less about this man, our backs on fire from the night's work, but curiosity got the better of us. Sitting there, listening to him, I started laughing at his hard nonsense. It's no more possible for me to forgive an enemy than to lend him more than he desired. My desire was to go home, lay down, have my wife rub my neck and shoulders and repair the nets while I slept. So when he asked me to row out again for more fishing, I was ready to throw him into the water. I didn't. Again, curious, amused, we rowed. When he told us to throw our nets, we did. Then the sea itself began to writhe, alive with fins and tails, fish fighting to leap into nets we thought would break from the weight. We struggled to bring them in and yelled at our cousins to come and help with this catch that spilled onto the planks and piled almost to the oarlocks. We rowed the best we could with this swirling mass of scaly flesh dancing all around us. I knew we could pay our debt and more. Stories would be told for years about this hall, and I realized about this man sitting still in the boat, watching me the whole time. When we finally dragged the boat on shore, he took me aside and told me to leave everything, the fish and money, the fame and stories, my children and wife, and follow him. My partners heard too. We looked at each other, still giddy, smelling of fish, laughing at ourselves as we said yes and walked away from what we knew towards a world we imagined where each day would hold a new miracle. Hmm. Well, you caught it. You caught it what it, was, what it must have been like, what it could have been like, was what it was like in the legendary terms. And those as moments he got together, of... His 12, his 13... And, and as they made their way to Jerusalem, that Passover, and there you be. And that, uh, that moment of uh, serendipity, really, right? This kind of unexpectedness that, that came from that moment of, oh, I just want to go home, I'm tired. And then, oh my God, I got the biggest haul ever. Um, kind of those uh, illustrating, um, you know, not, not necessarily just, just these biblical moments, but kind of uh, kind of captured the the spirituality of it, um, of of kind of any spirituality where these the moments that that show up in our lives um, that we weren't expecting, and then they change them. And the surprise, the surprise of life, and you talk about the miracles to come, and I I can feel that as a, as as as, as a, what after the moment when you realize the spirit. When the spirit come enters in, and then you get this feeling that everywhere you go is where you're supposed to be. Everybody you connect with is somebody you're supposed to be connected with. I know I have that feeling, and I have that feeling through reading Rumi. 
But there are many paths. There are many paths which we can, which we can choose to take. And it's that path is to choosing to take this path and following his man. He was a man. He was a man, and certainly at that time, people did come through. He wasn't the only one to come through, uh, but he was the one who came through at just that moment of time to pick him up, to net him in. The, the name of this show, by the way, is The Common Thread Collective, and that comes up these four lines that came to me from the Spirit, to cast a wide net and to find that common thread and to let life flourish, which is what you're saying, and then don't pay pretty much what you're saying, right? And don't panic, keep it organic, which is stay in balance with life. Well, thank you. So there's thank the you, common Diamond thread Dave. right there. Welcome to the Common Thread Collective. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And one of the things that you mentioned um, b- before you read that poem was that uh, you had kind of gone through some of these spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. And I don't think a lot of people really know uh, much about that. You want to give a little idea of what that what those meditative exercises are? Sure. Ignatius was a, a, a Basque uh, soldier, and he was wounded in a battle in Pamplona with the French, had his leg shattered by a cannonball, went to his family castle in Loyola in, in uh, the Basque country and recuperated. As he recuperated, he had a conversion experience. Uh, he ended up uh, uh, literally going into a cave and uh, experimenting with prayer and really stumbled upon kind of an interesting Eastern experience of prayer, one involving meditation and contemplation, and I think brought the the two worlds of the East and West spirituality together. And it's a it's a method of prayer. He wrote the spiritual exercises, which is really a guidebook for spiritual directors. It's not something one sits down sits down and reads, but uh, he envisioned people going off for 30 days with a with a retreat director, with a spiritual guide, for a silent retreat and going through the the Passion of Christ. Each week, representing one of the one of the three days of Jesus's passion, with the first week being kind of a preparation for it all. Uh, for people who can't get away for 30 days, there's a version called the 19th Annotation, based upon the 19th footnote in the spiritual exercises, and that's something I did for a year. You every morning you, you wake up, you take some time, you pray once a week, you meet with a spiritual director. So every morning I would take a passage from the scripture and I'd pray over it. I'd read it, I'd think about it, meditation, and then I'd imagine it, contemplation. And I would put myself in the scene and just let my unconscious take over and let the, let the, the senses of that specific place and time flood into me. And uh, it was one of the most rich, best experiences of my life. So the others, so this, as they say, it's rarely done, but, uh, but you want to say, say to you guys, you have in common, I read the article, I believe you wrote about her when, when you put out the book of your alumni, is that right? So you both had this experience, this was something which was there, which was held out to you, but not enforced on you, as something, as something that's as a, as a practice, that's the word I'm searching for, that students of St. Ignatius could do. Is that right? Yes, in fact, I'm, there's a, a wonderful teacher, Mary Albeck, who has a class called the Spiritual Exercises, and a number of faculty, including myself, meet with students and help them through the exercises. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful entry into yourself, into, into life. figuring out who you are and what gives you the greatest joy and where you find uh, whatever, I mean, we use the word God, but you could use any word you want, where you find the deepest self, your truest self. 
And since I say, I say from someone that the path leads within and the path leads without. That though, I believe that's a, that those with eyes to see, let them see. Is that from the Gospel of Thomas? The path leads within and the path leads without. Let those with eyes to see, let them see. So in a way you can interpret those lines uh, close to your Ignatius of, of opening your eyes to see and realizing and you're on that path that's both the path within and the path without. Am I right? Yes, and, and Dave, the, the goal of this book really is to, for folks to read uh, these poems not even if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe that Jesus was divine, no worries. What I'm trying to do is figure out what was what was it about this 30-year-old carpenter that captured the hearts, the minds, the attention, the devotion of so many people around him at a time when there were so many messiahs, so many healers, so many preachers. What was it about this guy? What did he say? What did he do that was so captivating? And I tried to enter into each of those familiar, almost too familiar stories and retell them in a way that, that brings them back to life again. And why, why did you choose the Gospel of Luke rather than the others, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Tradition says Luke was a Greek physician, and uh, his stories, I think, are the most tangible. They're the ones rooted in the miracles. You know, you really have a sense of Jesus putting his hands on a leper. You have a sense of the woman with a broken back uh, you have you, people who are blind, and you just you, you enter into the humanity of that experience, of that day and that time. So perhaps we should read a, another poem out of this. Well, I love this one. Uh, if you have one, over, well, maybe you can pick this one that he did. Uh, I, want to, I know you have one to choose, but I was just reading uh, this one called the Demonic. Why what page is that on? That's on uh, fourteen. All righty, here we I go. I speak now with one voice. Sure. Move in one straight line. Are you sure it's on 14? 34, pardon me. 34, there we go. I'm in my mind. 34. I'm okay. not sure of anything. All righty. Well, this is a good one. Go so ahead. now, of course, this is the story of, uh, of Jesus casting, the, uh, casting the, the, the devil out of this man. And uh, what's interesting is that, is that he, you know, Jesus casts uh, the devil out of this man into pigs. And, you know, one of these, I didn't do that much research for this book, but I did wonder why... Jews who, for whom eating pork was not, a, not an accepted practice, why they're raising pigs. And then I learned that they're raising pigs to sell to Greeks who live nearby. So hmm. um, it just, you know, so tried to enter not only into the humanity of Jesus, but into the reality of, of what, what Palestine and Israel were way back then. The demoniac. I speak now with one voice, move in one straight line, the author of my life choosing my words and ways. I can't recall when the demons came pouring into me like a swarm of bees. I'm told that I was 19 when so many voices crowded my skull that I felt only the heat of confusion and tore off my clothes. That day I ran to the lake, to the hills, to a small grove of trees where the voices in my skull spoke to some other sound, not of this earth, that came up through the holes in the ground that moved their soiled lips in reply to the babble in my brain. Hmm. At times my friends and cousins would find me, tie me with chains, but I knew how to cut myself and make my skin slick with blood to wrestle my ankles free and race to the stone tombs where I saw the spirits that had not yet found their way from life to death. They lingered with me and howled back at the demons, each tormenting the other. 
That all changed the day he arrived. The demons in me sensed him coming, knew his name, made me call it out in fear that they would go the way of smoke and ash, not even to Gehenna. He spoke their name, Legion. They asked him to cast them into the pigs that we raise to trade with the Gentiles. These animals that eat their own filth and that can chew off the leg of a stumbling swineherd were the only fit hosts for these unclean demons. They left me with a spasm so violent that I thought I might fly with them and leap into the lake for death by water and mud. Instead, I returned to a silence I had not heard in years. I broke it myself when I thanked this man who gave me his cloak to hide my blackened body. By now, a crowd surrounded us. They were so used to me, crazed, that they railed against this change and the loss of their livestock. I think they feared other cast-out demons might find new homes in their panicked brains. When I asked to sail with these men, he told me no and asked me this, simply this, to tell what happened, and I did for the rest of my days. Even when people stopped believing me, I told the story, this story, about the author of life. Well, my so of course, uh, these days he would be called schizophrenic. He'd be called schizophrenic. They'd have an easy, uh, easy, an easy label for this guy. But in those days, they thought it was demons. He thought it was demons. And the demons would naturally... So that's an amazing retelling, brother. I just wanted you to say that. I opened up it and read the first couple of verses or the first few lines, and I said, I'd like to hear this. You have another. You have another with a, with a yellow label on it, which I think you want to read, and I'd love to hear it. Thank you Take very much. Away, Paul okay, good. This is called The Wanton. Before my wedding day, my mother gave me an alabaster jar filled with oil and spice to anoint my husband before we lay together. He did not want to wait, but took me as he would a farm animal, beating me for good measure, he said, to teach me my place in his house. I left soon after, refusing to live in his world under his fist. I took up with one man after another, men who used me according to their will. I let them, as I saw no good in me worth guarding. I could find no work other than gleaning the harvest. When I heard about the man they called the Messiah, I wondered, as did everyone, who he was, a zealot and lunatic, or a messenger of the Almighty who could taste the bitterness of my shadow. Even John sent emissaries, as did the Pharisees who invited him to supper. Then I remembered the jar and thought of my wedding night. I went to find him to anoint him, hoping that by cleansing him, I would wash away a portion of the filth that had filled me. A part of me sought the husband I had once prayed for, and another part wanted to know this. Who am I? When I bathed his feet, I looked at him and saw the answer in his eyes. I was myself again. The young girl who once ran with the boys in the streets, who sat still as my mother combed my hair and my father sang to me. I was anointed finally by his kindness and by the oil that blessed us both. One of the things that I've um, 
as I was reading reading this book, I, I was out of town last week and I brought the book with me, so I had some time to actually kind of get into it and digest it. And and um, and, and there are several poems in there that are women written from a, a female perspective from some of the women who um, are represented in in the in the Gospel of Luke. How did you put your head into that space? And uh, did you run it by any women before you uh, put it down, or uh, did you have any uh, female editors look at it and say? Yeah, I like that. Or that's a, you know, I, I'm just wondering about your process for that. Well, first, let me answer the second question first. And a wonderful uh, literary agent, Barbara Moulton, who's a family friend, looked at it and immediately responded so positively to my images of women. And so that let me know that I wasn't being an idiot. And I, I can easily be an idiot. So uh, it's always good to have validation that, that, I, that I'm not going too far astray here. Uh, and, I, and I certainly, you know, I'm a 60-year-old Palestinian male, one of three brothers. Uh, I understand how deeply rooted sexism can be, and I'm very conscious and very careful not to be presumptuous to, to pretend that I understand uh, the, uh, female points of view. Uh, but uh, I, I gave myself the challenge of, of translating every part of the Gospel of Luke, not just the male parts. And so I really wanted to enter into the mind of women. And of course, what helped me were the, all the wonderful women, dear friends and family of my life who, uh, who, with, who have shared their lives. And, and Valerie, you know, I'm, I'm an editor of a magazine. I interview a lot of women, including you, for the magazine. And uh, as I think I mentioned to you before this interview, one of the most intimate things I do and a great privilege I have is to sit down with someone, enter into their life story, ask them questions about their lives, and then translate it into story. And so I do that with with many, many, many uh, young women. We went co-educational SI back in 1989, and uh, you know it's just a, a it's a it's a challenge, but it's also one that uh, I think helps humanize me and makes me uh, uh, richer, better for it. Well, humanizing humanizing is what this is about. That never get we spoke you spoke of the women. But to take this uh, this gospel and to turn it into a collection, a collection of various people writing from their viewpoint, from their own viewpoint, and their their own uh, their own viewpoint, and how Jesus touched them, but uh, but dude, that's quite a task. It's an amazing task that you've done it. There's so many individuals in this book of poetry, this book of poetry, this rendition of the gospels. And you said at the beginning that you're not, that you could have gotten hung up really on the historical Jesus, uh, the historical Jesus, and the struggle about the struggles, of the arguments that which I've seen and read a lot of, of who Jesus was, but instead letting him emerge by these witnesses who participated at that time in this life. Amazing, brother. I definitely highly recommend this book. Well, thank you so, so much. So you have something else. Here's James, his brother, and Tabor. James was. Uh, James was Jesus' brother, of course. Is that right? Yeah, there's there's two Jameses in, in there's the James the Apostle and then James's brother. Well, then and I have con- passages on both. And there's a confusion about which is which. And it was James. It was James. Do I have it right? James after the crucifixion was uh, took on the the guy the the, the, the two the, the the Church of Peter and the Church of James. And the Church of James are the ones who survived the following of the bringing down of the temple and managed to survive there. Do I have all this right? A great book on that is Reza Aslan's book, Zealot, The Life and Times of oh, Jesus of Nazareth. That. And in that, he talks about the, 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 
the way Paul took the church and the way James, Jesus' his brother, took the about. church. James envisioned uh, uh, Christianity as, a, as really a subset of Judaism, and Paul envisioned it as going out to the world and, and being very Roman and being very Greek. And they both were revolutionary gospels, each in their own way. Yes, yes, and then because James was ended up being killed during the sack of Jerusalem, That's it. Uh, according to Rees Aslan, uh, the, the the Pauline uh, uh, faction really took over. It was the one that predominated, and until this generation, now there's uh, the the great the great. I want to get back, but let me do it. the great writer, three volumes. Uh, the one was the historical Jesus, the other was called. Uh, uh, and then one was Paul, and one was uh, oh, uh, was about uh, Christianity, the rise of Christianity after the after the death of Jesus. Uh, he was a priest, but he went really much much farther in this talk. And his portrait of uh, Paul is not as as a conservative, of a reactionary figure, which has been uh, been portrayed so many times. But in fact, it's kind of a revolutionary, and it 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 was a picture of Paul I hadn't had. It's uh, the historical Jesus. The second one is the life of Christianity, which is a time of Christianity between uh, with the happenings and the and the and the, the gospels, which have which were put down 50 or 60 years after the after the uh, crucifixion. Am I right? Sure. And Dave, for me, there's the historical reality of Jesus, which, which we don't know that. You know, we, we certainly okay, know what's in the Gospels, and, and we know from other historians, but there's, for me, a deeper truth. That's what I'm trying to get to in the book, that's and that's, that's, and that's the truth to. of his message, the truth of this this revolutionary method message, which says, hey, if somebody hits you, give me the other cheek. If somebody wants wants your your cloak, give, give them it. Uh, don't even think twice. It's this message that has informed my life uh, ever since I can remember, this, this message of love and generosity and self-sacrifice. Yeah, and, and, lo and love thy neighbor. Yeah. Right? And one of the poems I really, I really enjoyed reading in here um, was the lawyer parable. Well, oddly enough, Valerie, that's what I have open. That's right the one now. you have right there. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I think it 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 um it kind of speaks to the the connection between you know trying to to live a life of principle, but also maybe uh, having having some troubles trying to distinguish what what that actually means and as you apply it to your life. So yeah, please. Re Good and David, that's on page fifty. Perfect. Yeah, it's just by accident. I reached the point where you see there's no accidents. The fact that that's the ones you had to choose, the one that's the ones you wanted to hear, and the one that you wanted to read next. This is the way life is. Once we're connected, <laughs> there we the go. Spirit, Page fifty. Page fifty. So Final. this is this is called the lawyer. Before I came to love God, I learned to hate Him. From the moment I was born, my father named me part of his tribe. I was a scribe. Destined to know the law, copy the Torah, arrange contracts. Work, I found, that ground me into dust as I watched those my age labor in the fields with their fathers, their hands caked clean with mud. I stayed inside, copying the Torah on animal skins, following the strictures of 48 and 60 letters per line, mixing my own ink, speaking each word as I wrote it, washing myself before writing the sacred name of Yahweh. I took more pleasure in composing my own psalms, imagining I had David's lyre and tongue, 
whenever I saw a new blue leaf beside a white blossom blessed with sunlight and bee song. My father would beat me when he saw me scribbling these songs, even on blemished skins. He taught me to hate him, to hate myself, and the God who inscribed the wrong title on my life. The hate with which I clothed myself could not silence the psalms that sang to me each morning and night with the long slants of darkness and light that twined like vines. When my brother's scribes heard of this Messiah and the return of his 72, they thought of a way to trap him and sent me to their gathering place. They even gave me the question to ask, one our rabbis had debated in the synagogues and streets, the question with no right answer. Or so I thought, until I heard it coming from my own mouth, as if for the first time, two old lines, one from Deuteronomy, one from Leviticus, lines that twined like the sunlight, forming a psalm of their own, love your God and your neighbor, even yourself. When he affirmed their truth, I felt free to love and forgive myself, my Father, my God, to inscribe on my heart the one word that names me, that made me clean, that sings through me to this day. Wow. I wish we had a copy of the Gospel of Thomas, the original, so we could read that story and you could see what you added to it through your reading and understanding the realities of the day, what it was a, what it was a scribe. I mean, people read by their millions of read scribes and Pharisees with little or no understanding what a scribe was, but you caught it. A scribe in those days before typewriters, in those days with a print, a scribe was somebody who was doing just what you said, and you put it out there, and you added to it. You didn't bring the Bible with you, did you? I did not. Oh, I love to read the, to the maybe we could do this again sometime, Anytime. and we could read the, uh, the the story that it is in the Gospel of Thomas, I mean the Gospel the gospel of uh, the gospel of Luke and what it is to, to, by taking a look at the reality of the situation like in this case what it was a scribe did and uh, what it was a scribe did I'm impressed and excited to be here and hey brother Paul Tota you make my day thank Give you David another. thank you Valerie <laughs> I'm open to it uh, we have a we have a, a couple a few couple more minutes to go for sure we have a little more time so what, what inspired you to write a book length poem uh, well, because, I mean, you know, lots of books of poetry are just, you know, maybe sections on, di on different topics and things. But this was a poetic retelling of the Gospel of Luke. Um, and, 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 you, and, you, and you took on that challenge to actually create poems out of all of these different chapters. Thanks, Valerie. Great question. I, I was uh, fortunate enough to take a class from Stan Rice, uh, husband of Anne Rice, uh, at SF State when I did my master's in creative writing back in the mid-'80s. And the first thing Stan had us do was write a book-length poem. Uh, it, it could be a collection of poetry that somehow formed uh, one theme. And I chose to do a story on a Salvadoran refugee, a doctor who I had done a, been in a peace march with during the sanctuary movement. Uh, I walked with him from San Jose to San Francisco when I, back when I was a Catholic worker. And I uh, interviewed him as a reporter and, and with a translator and ended up telling his life story in a 27-page poem. And... Um, it was, a, I found, a very profound experience, again, very intimate experience to enter into his life, tell the story of how he was tortured for 24 days and escaped uh, and came to this country. Uh, I also had a, a phenomenal experience studying Dante in Siena and Assisi back in 1988 as part of an NEH grant and uh, was able to 
really to travel Dante's journey through uh, the Inferno, through Purgatory and, and Paradise, uh, metaphorically, and and knew the power of a long narrative, knew the power of a of a of an epic poem. Uh, so I wasn't a stranger either to doing it or reading it. And uh, also, I I found myself in the habit years and years ago of every Good Friday writing a poem. And uh, it, I was I've always been fascinated by this strange notion of of a people killing their god. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it's a bizarre concept, and it just haunted me. And I every Good Friday I make it a habit of writing a poem. And finally. Really, I think what inspired me too was T.S. Eliot, The Journey of the Magi, which is the inscription I used to start the book. I use a little passage from, from him. Uh, when, I, when you first read The Journey of the Magi, you realize uh, the power of retranslating a familiar story. Well, these really are, these, these poems really do bring bring it bring these stories to life um, that, that, that bring them out of what maybe as you were kind of referencing earlier um as people kind of think of the bible perhaps these days more more this uh you know relic book uh, full of dense dense things that the people don't necessarily get into as much um so i think it uh is a is a gift of your gift of writing that you've that you've kind of brought these different characters these different uh people who were involved there uh, to life in this in these stories and these the, I mean these poems all tell a story and they they really do bring you uh, into those very human moments um, so where can uh, what what are your plans for this book where can people pick up a copy where where are they where are you going to be having any events upcoming or well that's the the, the book just came out so I'll be starting my marketing uh, very soon I'm going to go around to bookstores see if I can get it in various bookstores the easiest way for people to buy the book is to go to my website, uh, paultota.com. That's P-A-U-L-T-O-T-A-H.com. And there's a link there to the uh, to publisher's site where one can buy the book. Um, and uh, I'll probably, I don't know if I, I, I can't recall if I put sample poems up there, but I may put one or two. I do post sample poems on my Facebook page. Uh, so anybody who sends me a friend request, happy to friend you back, uh, and uh, on occasion put stuff out on Twitter as well. But I do need to uh, start making the rounds at bookstores and, and uh, doing more readings. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we're so fortunate to be here in San Francisco in the Bay Area with so many great bookstores who are supporting uh, artists and, and writers. I'm thinking about um, Adobe Books and Alley Cat Books over on 24th Street. Uh, Bird and Beckett and Glen Park is a great is a great place as well. Um, and uh, well, we're 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 a literary rich area. Um, but I'm I'm so happy that that you came down to to share some of the poetry and some of the inspiration behind this book. Again, everyone, it's called The Gospel of Everyone: A Poetic Retelling of the Gospel of Luke by Paul Toda, who is hey, and Paul. I, what I see is I'd love to see your library because what you've done and what Paul and maybe in a month or so you could come back and we'll have a copy of the Gospel of Luke uh, with us and uh, we can read the story and then we can so because what you've done with it is amazing the way you're a Palestinian yourself so you can you when we talk about the Sea of uh, uh, the Galilee. Galilee what they call Galilee what uh, the Israel they call Canaret 
Which might be a Palestinian word, too. I'm not sure. And I've been there. Uh, I've and you've been there. I've been there, too. My father uh, took myself and my two brothers there back in 83 and, and to sit on the shores of Galilee and imagine the spot where Jesus gave the Beatitudes. Uh, you know, it's that also helped inform the book as well, actually being there and touching the soil. And I was there, too. I remember going to erect. It was the oldest, still extant synagogue. They call them shuls. After the fall of, temp uh, fall of the temple, of course, that gave people the the the, the, the temple. The temple was now fallen, no longer existed. So almost immediately, synagogues arose. In fact, there's one you may have been there too, right on the shores of Canaret, of the Sea of Galilee, which you see some Greek columns and a, and a few mosaics that were left. But that was it. They said this was the earliest one of of all. I don't remember that, but the irony, of course, is you do see. Uh, a church of the Beatitudes by the shore of, of uh, Galilee, and of course that was built by Mussolini. So uh, there's bizarre ironies all around, all around this place. Especially the fact that, you know, the Middle East is is the home to three great religions, and there's nothing but uh, anguish and conflict there right and now. And of course, right. And what you've come through with this book, the Gospel of Everyone, is you've gone through all these ironies, all these ironies in which. Uh, the simple words of Jesus were turned into some of the most powerful, uh, powerful churches, where the hierarchy, where, where the hierarchy. But yet here he is, a natural anarchist kind of, who simply told us, simply told us to love one another. But you've done a lot. Of, I want to say that you've done a lot of reading. You've uh, built in your own mind what it was like back, back, but these uh, these roads he traveled and who he talked to, and how one uh, how people connected to one another. I believe that, uh, I feel, when you read your poetry, that it's all there. David, thank you. And that took some and reading. Valerie, thank you. That took some imagination. Thank you. That took of understanding the basic love that you found there to when, uh, when you, that you found there at, uh, at school, when you were introduced to, uh, to taking the next step and the next step and the next step of understanding what it's all about. Am I right? You're right. Well, yeah. It, 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 take it away, sister. Yeah, I actually would like to read one of the poems from the book. Um, I would do. And it's the poem, Dave, you, you want to read along, it's page 78. It's a poem called The Host. And if I'm not mistaken, um, this is uh, from the perspective of the host of um, Jesus and his disciples the night before he was uh, betrayed and taken away and arrested. And um, I, I, I just appreciate the... This is just a, a voice of, of witness. This is called The Host by Paul Toda. I chose to live here near Gethsemane because of the olive trees, their trunks as twisted and wayward as a prayer's circuitous root skyward, their fruit as bitter and satisfying as God's reply to our inarticulate cry for comfort. I furnished the upstairs room with couches to make this place of, a place of prayer for Passover visitors traveling from places beyond the walls of this holy city. I wanted it far from the bloodbath of the temple, but close enough to the market to purchase the lamb, the herbs, the bread, to mark the time when God gave us little warning that our freedom was to come with a midnight run across a dry seabed. I was pleased when my servant returned from the well with his full pitcher trailing behind him these strangers, disciples of the master. They rented my room for their celebration. I crouched near the door to listen to something new, a Passover like none I had ever witnessed. He blessed everything with the music of his words as he broke the bread and passed the wine, 
each crumb and drop a part of himself. He singled out one impurity, a man who would betray him. He chastised all for arguing over their place, telling them something I knew in my heart. Stay low to the ground like the olive tree. Take time to grow and bear fruit, and do so quietly, subtly, covered in the gray dust of the morning road. When he went to the garden to pray, the dust of the night mingled with his tears and prayers. I kept watch while the others slept, fatigued by confusion and fear. When the temple guards came, led by the betrayer, I whispered a prayer for this man who had blessed my house forever with his meal, with his words, and with his sorrow. Oh, let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at that, but say, in a month, month or so, Paul, well, I actually had to. In a month or so, Paul, I want you to come back. Val, maybe we could do it. And bring bring the gospel of, uh, of the Luke? gospel along. The the gospel the gospel of Luke along. And so we can read the, the, the we could read maybe you could mark those uh, those uh, passages of the Gospel of Luke that you've used in your poem. It seems like a natural used in your poem to illuminate, to amplify, and to bring as I said, bring it all back home. Amen. Hey, Amen. Hey, Thank you for bearing, I shake your hands. bearing witness. And I shake your hand. I'll reach over here. And that's Bring uh, my microphone. And here we are. And so this prayer uh, the, 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 to the Spirit to bring us together once again, to continue to put forth this message, this message which is uh, free to people. With this message, does, doesn't man doesn't uh, doesn't need you to to uh, to go to this church or that church or the other church either, but simply realize that we're all in this together. Is that right? That is right. Fuck yeah! <laughs> now we got a bunch of people. We, we do. got a band we, called on wow. the Silk Road. There's a lot of people up. showed up out so there. There are people who show up. That's excellent. This is, this is the common thread game. collective here at MutinyRadio.fm. We're down at 21st in Florida in the Mission District of San Francisco, and the doors, minds, and hearts are open. Open to what you have to come down and share. So please come down and be a part of this show. And I want to really thank Paul Tota for coming down um, and uh, sharing his book, The Gospel of Everyone, a poetic retelling of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, PaulTota.com, you can find that book, and we'll have more information about other events upcoming. So I wanted to kind of wrap up this segment with a song, actually from our, uh, a sister out there on the Big Island, Sea Star, um, because uh, she does a musical rendition of the prayer of St. Francis. And here we are in our beautiful city of San Francisco. And uh, let's wrap it up and we'll be right back with some live music. Yeah. 
Yes, this is the Common Thread Collective. All right. There's so much happening right now. Here we are. I'd see a, there's a band warming up out there. What? What's been happening? Here we go. This is the Silk Road, and they're going to be coming on the later. Silk Road. But meanwhile. Nice. Hello. This is my brother hey. Ian. Hey, Ian. How's it going? Ian and I last uh, saw back there, the back then. When we were brought together, uh, uh, brought together by this phenomenal guitar player named Maurice Rock. Maurice Rock. I first, uh, I first ran into Maurice sitting on a pillow. It's coming back to me. Back there was that the early eighties or middle eighties? <laughs> early eighties, around early nineteen eighty or so. He came. And here. this guy was playing guitar. He was like, he was like, he was like the. Uh, uh, he was like uh, Jimi Hendrix. Hen- Hendrix uh, reincarnated. <laughs> wow. Everything about him was by uh, Hendrix. It's and of course, and, and of our course. life came together. And my son, who was just picking up the uh, the bass guitar, uh, and Maurice would sit playing his guitar. He's a bit of a madman. <laughs> he was a bit over the top. Yeah. He had a couple gigs, but mostly wherever it was, he played at home. We lived at the Pink Palace, and he built over his bed. This, um, he believed in the power of the pyramid. That's right. And he, he built, built this pyramid. pyramid over his head. In fact, he had these little pyramids he would wear on his head. And uh, uh, You know, I actually convinced the, uh, the hippie shop down the street to sell the pyramids that he made. And he, they, he'd make like 25 bucks a pop for his little uh, balsa pyramids. pyramids. Put them on your head or, or hang them over your bed. <laughs> and he had a big one over his bed. There was a size yeah, of his bed. Yeah, a full size one. Yeah. Wow. And he died with that. And he met, but he died tragically, mm. murdered by Leonard Lake and Charles Ing. And Charles Ing, and they had this thing. We were living in the Pink Palace, which was kind of the underside of the underside of the hippie movement, where it was hippies, punks, skinheads. We were there. It was, it was like Cole and Carl. We called it the Pink Palace. Yeah. It was a kind of a tragic place when you think of it. He lived there too. And after I left, and Ubi left, my son. Uh, he he stayed there, and this guy Charles Ng would bring people up up as far as the farm to work on a marijuana ranch. Am I right? Yeah, that, that and, was the pretext that he would get them out there. With, and he'd yeah. murder them. Twenty-five people up, up to twenty-five. He murdered. He he imprisoned wow. imprisoned people, tortured them, raped them. He did the worst things you could imagine to these people, and and it's it's really tragic to think that Maurice was one of those uh, victims of that. Yeah. Uh. I suppose they come in marijuana. And I knew a bunch of them. And I knew a bunch of them. They were taken out of the Pink Palace, told to come up to my marijuana ranch where he was murdered. And, uh, and uh, Leonard Lake himself died because when he was caught, pan- when he was caught shoplifting, he and Leonard, he and uh, Ing, right, they were together. Yeah. And he was caught shoplifting. He had secreted a, a, mar- a cyanide pill. In his collar of his shirt. In the collar of his shirt, and he was there in handcuffs. Somebody managed to get it in his mouth, and that's how he died. Well, he knew when it came out, so much would come out. But Charles Ng now is still alive and is in death row. Is that he, right? he fled to Canada. He, he stayed in Canada. in Canada for like 15 years, and then he took California eventually was was uh, sentenced to death and he's been there forever of course california just passed uh this new law making it easier to enact the death penalty so it's possible that in the next few years he actually will be put to death more or less ending that horrible story well i don't think all. i end the guy uh, wow. you know whatever he's sitting in there whatever he's going through whatever he is that's what happened uh, I, my belief in the death penalty i don't believe in the death penalty yeah. but i believe he's locked up for life and here's the spirit one of the people he was convicted was murdered was was uh, 
uh, Maurice, Maurice Rock, and he lives here in my mind. And I wanted to dedicate the show to him in many ways. Yeah. We got this yeah. young band coming up to, uh, to, uh, to, to uh, and here's a one song, so much, and there was a brother named David. David, if you're listening, yeah. listening, David would be there quietly. He was a different sort, as you said, and he recorded. He recognized Maurice's Rock's genius, is that right? And if there's anybody who recorded a lot of his stuff, it was... Uh, he would have it. If, any, if anybody knows David that has possibly Maurice's recordings. Now, I do have a recording of Maurice playing bass. I have nothing of him playing guitar. Uh, but I do. I did remember a snippet of a, of my, my favorite song of his called "Ride the Waves." Then the first line was very memorable. It was, "I'm gonna ride, ride, ride the waves, just like the suds on top." And I thought, what an interesting little simile he has there. And we'd we'd sing it together. I'd harmonize with him, you know. So I remembered that much of the song. And so I realized it was Maurice's birthday, 70th birthday would have been two weeks ago today. 70 years old. So in honor of that, I reconstituted his song and I recorded it. Did he have a song called that said, like, Welcome to My Nightmare? That was Alice Cooper. (laughs) Well, he took it over. He wrote his own, Welcome to My Nightmare. He did his own version. I can remember that. coming back. He had a song about love. Kind of a Beatles-esque song about love, I remember, too. And, and, and... uh, but he play. He, he he and my son just they would jam for hours. Yeah, like yeah. He could just uh, play a, a strat and sound just like Hendrix and just really be as soulful as can be. He had a hard time t- taming that talent to make a cohesive song from. There was a couple of gigs. We had a couple of gigs. Occasionally, he'd go on Hate Street and he'd play. Yeah. All of these are memories of mine. I, I performed with him and Job Big uh, on Hate Street. Oh, and let me talk about Job Big. I wonder if Job Big was Job Big because he must have weighed 250 pounds. Yeah. He was the most enormous roster yeah. that you ever met and at one point we all lived together oh yeah Job Big and everybody loved Job Big he, and Job Big had a voice like a nightingale he, he is this great big happy guy with a big happy voice and he was a roster dude <laughs> and he had uh, I wonder if you could take a look and see if there's anything on YouTube above Job Big there, there is a couple of his songs on YouTube you, you okay, can find okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, look, for it. I'll one, look it up one show on Hate Street at a club with, with Job Big and Maurice on guitar and Maurice behaved and he was very subdued and played chink chink all night and when the show was in, was over he cranked the, his guitar up to like full Hendrix volume and just wow. jammed out for like 10 minutes and he wouldn't stop he, he had to let it out you know well, he would. <laughs> so this show we got this young band up here five people or so coming up they're set up now I got a couple more people to talk to but anyway called the young uh, they're called the Silk Road something like Silk Road uh, anyway they're here and uh, we're here and this be another amazing show of uh, the show of the Common Thread Collective. Hey, 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 hey Val, we're fi- once again we're finding the Common Thread. That's right. So why, this is you on guitar, why don't you introduce it? Okay, yeah, so uh, I just did this at my home studio. Uh, actually, part, some of it I did in my truck uh, <laughs> on ukulele and, and uh, uh, keyboard and, and singing. And uh, yeah, but uh, you can hear it. It's it's uh, what sounds like a guitar solo is actually a ukulele solo. <laughs> okay, nice. we'll take it away, brother. Ride the waves. This feed, we'll ride the waves. Bring it up. Just 
up to the beaming sun up to the beaming sun Yeah, sure. Right on, Ian. Thanks for coming in to play, uh, share that track with us. I like that. Ride the waves. We are riding the waves as we do here every Friday at Mutiny Radio. Um, let me grab that CD for you. And yeah, we've got a bunch of stuff going on here. That was really cool. Yeah, thanks. Welcome anytime. Like, come on back. We'll play the same song. We'll play a different song. Play something live. Uh, you're welcome. Anybody else is welcome to come down and join us here at Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street, here in the Mission District of San Francisco. And uh, we've got a whole band setting up out there. The, is it the Silk Road Truckers? The Silk Road Truckers. So sit down a minute and talk us a bit about the Silk Road Truckers, the derivation of the name and what it is you have in mind. All right. Well, my name is Colton. Hello, world. Welcome uh, to the show, Colton. Thank you very much for having us on today. It's uh, going to be a great time. So we uh, are a hate street rock and roll band. I live, come from uh, the Red Victorian, which is uh, now a hotel slash commune based on hate street. There's about 20 of us that live there and run the space. and. I converted the basement of the building into a rehearsal space for the band, and nice. that's how we all got together. We all just uh, are musicians that hang out on Hate Street and love making rock and roll music. Awesome. Yeah, go ahead. Very exciting. So how'd you, how'd you meet up with us here today? Did, did you find Dave uh, sitting on a mushroom stump somewhere in Golden Gate Park, uh, <laughs> uh, smoking a hookah and, and telling you to, to waft down to the Mission District? or? I uh, know. Uh, <laughs> bass player actually uh, made the contact with Diamond Dave. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah, the, I mean, the Red the red Vic. So, yeah, I was there um, not too long ago, sometime within the past year, because I know that the, the, the jamming people throw their uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I, I've been helping. I work at the door for those uh, events and stuff. And so it's been interesting to see it transform from what was that kind of cafe gallery space into, what is it, kind of an event, like a special event space as well? Well, it's it's a multi-purpose room for the community is, is, what we, is how we see it. I think um, so. We like to have all kinds of events there um, as often. So as this we can. is not the Red Vic Hotel. I mean, the Red Vic yeah. Hotel. This is the Red Vic Movie Theater. No, no, no so the actually, hotel. This is uh, the Red Victorian still. The Red Victorian Hotel. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, what happened to what's her name? She was the one who ran uh, it. Uh, ran Sammy, it. Like, Sammy. That's right. Sammy. She actually passed away in 2013. Oh, she did. I didn't even know that. But yeah. she ran it uh, pretty much as uh, when her vision of what it should be. In many ways, and she was a tough operator, but she's gone, and now it's opened up as flowering, is what you're saying, in a way. Yes, agreed. Uh, and we've 
definitely change the space a lot and everything that we do there. We just want to make uh, space for new soul to flow through the building. New soul to flow through the building. And of course, we're coming up on, in fact, it was the hearing for what's going to happen for the 50th anniversary of the Summer of Love. And you were hardly born then, but I was there. I was on that street. I turned 30 on that street. That some called love and some called hate. So the, so the connections are apparent and obvious. Yes, definitely. I agree. And uh, I can't wait for the Summer of Love. Hopefully it's uh, still happening. Well, I, think it's, I, I, I think we may not be able to... Be, uh, Dave, uh, why don't you get another microphone okay, so, so we don't have to keep grabbing that one. It gets, gets a lot of feedback. And no, it's no rumble, problem. rumble, 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 rumble when you, when you, when you move it around. So here you go, Dave. Here you go. Well, there you go, Dave. Well, anyway, so I was at talking about the summer love I happened to be at that hearing that the park department called I I was uh, I did spoken word at the last one for 10 years ago I opened it up with some words of welcome and I said I said cast that wide net and we'll find the common thread and I spoke it you can find it on YouTube Diamond Dave Whitaker opening up at the the 40th anniversary of the summer of love now it's gotten it's gotten to be this one huge con day. free concert, and uh, the free concert, and it was denied the par that denied the permit. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying to you and saying to the world, and I could feel that, I could feel that that the fact that the, that this what was happening there in that summer, 1967, when I turned 30, and was up and down the street, was uh, was, uh, was, uh, was was it was about free. We were called the diggers. It was about free. It was about doing things for free. It was about people setting up music while they setting up music. It was about doing the kind of thing that just sounds like you're doing at the Red Vic. Am I right? Yes, and you know what? Uh, I'm glad you brought up the diggers because we're actually um, doing an event, a community event on February 26th called Hate Free Love. Uh, it's just a collection of, I think, of Hate Street communes getting together and gathering all the everything that they can to give away for free uh, to the community. Well, I was there. I was at the free store. All right. I was uh, I'd suggest, have you uh, taken a look at it? It's their online called diggers.org, where yeah. you see the diggers papers. Right you on. see where it was, what we were thinking about, and what we were in that summer, and the summer after, after the death of the hippie, before the death of the hippie, it's all there. <laughs> so I was there, the diggers, Peter Berg, Peter Coyote, it was Peter Cohen then, and the folks who are the diggers. So, uh, so I'm uh, I'm inviting myself to come there for your event Please to re do. to represent uh, the survival of that generation. Ah, oh, thank you very much. And that I think what we need to, to do, uh, what we need to do, what we can do, and what we'll do is talk about the with summer of love. It may not be this huge free concert, uh, the free concert that some had in mind. But some, but uh, we have, uh, of getting this big with the permit and jumping through all the hoops to get this for, for this big, free concert. But of course, what I say is we already have a permit. It's our per permit under the. It's called the First Amendment of the Constitution. It's what I'm saying to you and saying all out there. It guarantees our right to speak freely. This is definitely what we do on this show and wherever we go, to practice whatever spiritual practice uh, that we have. That was what we were talking about today with the poetry of Brother Tota. Whatever yeah. spiritual practice, and to gather, to assemble. Peacefully. And, and we already have that permit to do that. And I think we can work around it. And it's, it was not just, the Summer of Love was not just one day. Yeah. 
It was a whole summer. I don't think the conversation is over about about the festival happening. This yeah, summer, well, you know, it's all summer. I don't know if your band has been picked to be on it or whatever, but I think we can do stuff acoustically wherever we do and whatever we play and whatever we say. And I'll be going out. To, uh, I'll be uh, doing as I do every year. I go to the Rainbow Gathering. I've been yeah. doing that for many, many years. You know, that is something that we're trying to make happen uh, for the festival. But one other thing we're trying for is the Hate Street Festival that's ha happening uh, in June. Uh, we're uh, entered into the Battle of the Bands for that at Lennon perfect. Studios. So, you know. Lennon Studios got its own legacy. Right Lennon on. Studio was the place where all of the great now legendary punk bands played. Lennon Studio. Yeah. When she was a young really woman. Excited to be she a was a young woman just here from uh, England. Anyway, so all these connections. And the Rainbow Gathering. Do you know about Rainbow Gathering? Uh, no, but you can tell me more. Well, it's a big free gathering. It's a free gathering. I don't want you to use the word big. It's five, six, seven, eight, maybe 10,000 people. It's a free gathering that we do every year and have been doing for well, since 1971 at uh, many national forests. And this year, last year, well, not this year, which is now last year, we were in the Green Mountains of Vermont. The year before that, we were in the Black Hills of South Dakota, out of which came the Lakota Rainbow Alliance. That's now, now we now have a lot of our folks are at Standing Rock, going through the winter, staying there, conquering down through the winter, keeping it happening, connecting, and this year, we're going to be in the in the in the Oregon, in the uh, in the Cascades. Our scouts have to still go up. Snow is melting, and see a good place for a gathering that we return to as we found it. But what I'm working on my project is for the Summer of Love. We have a caravan coming up, coming across the Golden Gate Bridge. Banners flying to come to Golden Gate Park to uh, to, uh, to exercise our our constitutional right to speak freely practice whatever religious practices we bring with it or non-religious practices we bring with it and certainly our, our, uh, bring with it our permit which we already have our permit to gather to assemble right on. now whether that doesn't that may not include big huge sound systems and big names but it use the people coming together and uh, it will be that summer they call the summer of love if we come through in the, in the middle to the middle of July or so and uh, come around and start feeding the people I think it will be interesting to see what happens well if uh, the bus needs parking you can always bring it to the Red Victoria well, there will probably be a quite a few buses quite a nice few buses. hey okay. that's a big that's a big offer there you talk yeah. about parking yeah, that a lot of folks, yeah. <laughs> a lot of buses, a lot of hippie buses. We came through, we did it in 84. And I was here first. We're getting together a group. Shake my hands. Take my hand, everybody. Take a hand. Everybody take a hand. Well, hand guys, circle, the circle keeps on growing. Um, uh, the circle keeps on growing. A building, so we can build a coalition here, a welcome committee, a welcome home committee for the folks coming through. Not to just uh, sit there for, for maybe not sit there for some big free concert with this big name and that big name, but here at the grassroots, making things happen and making things happen and certainly making things happen is what we're about. Are you done with that, brother? Let's make it happen. So I'll come to I'll Let's come to visit you on uh, Hate Street soon. Uh, that's where they call me the Mayor of Hate Street for quite some time, from the 70s into the 80s. Where I'm one third beatnik, one third hippie, and I can say it, one third punk as fuck. <laughs> and I can tell you about some of the Hate Street bands that we had back then, out of which it's all emerged. And uh, we mentioned a brother, Maurice Rock. And he was definitely part of that. There's been so many generations coming through. So welcome, brother. 
Thank you very much for the grand welcome. Absolutely. And one one thing you say you say um, on the twenty sixth of February, yeah, you're having you're February. having the hate free love. Hate free love. So that's a is that a that's a Saturday or Sunday? I it's a Sunday. It's a Sunday. It's a yeah. Sunday after. Is it what time is it going to be? During the day. Just come around noon. Is it going to be at the Red Vic? Uh, uh, no, it's uh, going to be at Hate and Ashbury. Okay, so just kind of set up so there. Not, yeah, so not directly in front of the Red Victorian, but in Ashbury. Down. So you're right. set up on street a, level. Okay. Street level. For the, cool. For the 50th anniversary, why we don't build up a food revolution? Well, he doesn't know about it yet. Ah, he the food down. revolution. Hey, oh, yeah, that's Max okay, talking gotta, about his it, organic. You can talk to him here on the air. <laughs> <laughs> Max ha- Max has uh, been building up his his food revolution plans with uh, organic garden towers. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think all of us could. There's room for all of this to happen, right? Because when things are constantly expanding, there's room for everything. But you're already going to be playing outside on Eighth Street, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So anyway, look at this brother. Anyway, so so I want you to tell him about your garden towers. They're setting up. He's got work to do to get it set up. But well, yeah, give a brief view. Give us all well, a brief view where we are Well, there is big news. The convent is starting on the rooftops so with uh, the garden, yeah. urban gardening, urban farming, and garden tower and vertical growing. Also, uh, uh, Le Beau, uh, the supermarket in the heart of San Francisco, is also starting on a rooftop. I have here the gentleman who just went out here, the musician that lives in a nice community. They too, they will, they will build up the garden towers and the, the urban farming. Uh, it is time that the young people uh, and, 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 and environmental people, that they come together and make their own food and, and, and build it up just in all the communities, in all the possibilities, and they self have to be one with the earth and with the garden tower. Thank you. Wow, here's a man of the vision. Where is this supermarket you're telling me about? It's on uh, Leavenworth and, and uh, Clay. Okay, Leavenworth and Clay. Now, yes, yeah, he, he is, he is um, <laughs> a Palestinian, and uh, I, I just made like a big energy, it was yesterday, a big energy, the Haval brother, you really have a deep roots here. You have something roots here. here. So uh, let's not build walls anymore in our life. Beautiful. We're definitely about taking down the walls. Let's so build nice. garden towers. Build garden towers. No walls, you, garden towers. Place, is there a place now where people can actually go and see garden towers? I know the one uh, there at, uh, at the farm stand. They're in the back. It still exists. I've been there for a while. Do you have other garden towers? I have a nice uh, garden tower in the Sea Cliff in, um, here in San Francisco. And are <coughs> the new ones we are building up now in, in, um, in, in the convent. So this is, is brand oh, the new convent. in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. San Francisco didn't have any... Um, modern vertical growing uh, with the worm farm and everything included there. Uh, come on, this is this is a miracle. A miracle can be grown on every rooftop. So what are we waiting for? That's nice. Right. What are we waiting for? We're and so yeah, and encourage the convent because I know the convent over there on Oak Street, right? It's that artist collective yeah. there. Um, so once the garden towers go up. 
they encourage them to have a, a gathering and we can all go over there and uh, and enjoy. Oh, and we, 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 we will celebrate it. Let's celebrate. Yeah, I, I would say start building these things up and then tar- take it to, this, the bo- to the board of trustees. <coughs> this has to be documented because we yeah. make them out of different, out different elements. There will be in, in ceramic, in cement, plastic, uh, burlap, uh, all sorts of materials. Yeah, for all kind of people, all kind of money. Possibly, is there a place online where people can look at the Garden Tower? They, we need stewards. We need a group stewards. of people. Stewards is the most important thing. Is is like communities. They come together, like in 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 in, um, in Clement, that are art intern students, and they okay, and they're farming. Yeah, they're farming, and this is is the beauty of it. They're, they're doing something with love. Yeah. So all the communities and all where is the possibilities, like in this in this in this market now in Knob Hill, a beautiful little market. The sons and the family are living there, and all the workers are seven, eight, eight uh, uh, collaborators there. They are all uh. enthusiastic to to make something there. They have on the rooftop ten uh, bee hives. So I don't tell you more. Right, and, and bees. And we do, we do have a lot of bees on the rooftops. So now we're coming up with our garden towers there, and this will be. Beehives and garden towers. There yeah. we go. Wow, yeah. Right. So Fiction. is the uh, the we convent? The anymore. This is wow, is, wow, is, wow, is, is getting. We're he's making doing it happen. Are the, bring the pictures. Bring the people. Well, we're so glad to be. We're, we're, Stewards. Hey Stewards. Val, we're a radio voices. So many things. They they can connect with you, folks. You you can. You can bring people together and tell them. Nice. Hey, so, is um, are the people at the con- at the convent art collective? Are they documenting building yes. it? They are. So they're yes. they're on that project. Yeah. So looking forward to to that. That's well, great. To be continued, brother. Thanks, Thank Max. That's it, folks. On your roof, gardens, bees, down. and solar panels, where everything's going to be all right. For a year or so, isn't it now? <laughs> We've been—he's uh, been coming in with his enthusiasm, his vision of a garden town. Max, yeah, over the there. over the past couple of years, yeah, a he's couple years, yeah, yeah. He, he, he doesn't—that's here's a man with a vision, here's a man with a project, and there's a man, hey Richard, and here we are speaking of the vision, Richard, <laughs> well, Richard, Richard, well, Richard, I have Richard. So many things to say, but well, I'm say, just say what you have to say. Brother. Let him go by the yes, wayside. There's so. <laughs> No, there's just There's many visions of uh, sugar plums dancing in front well, of our eyes. It, it'll be said uh, along the way. So, Good to see you, Richard. So you and I will be reading together on Sunday, I believe, yeah. at Casi Dot, uh, Adobe really Books. It was a nice read uh, at the uh, Rex and also at the... Um, I think we talked since the Rex, though, haven't we? Yes, we have. You brought uh, you and D. Allen came right, in here right. two weeks uh, ago. It was great. And then I read at the uh, Folio Books. You know Folio. I do. Uh, and I think what about fifty percent of the crowd? Do you think is not poets or just people who love to come and listen? With the Folio Book? Yeah, they're not. Everybody's not a poet. No, I. That's what I, I liked about. Well, this the brother and the mother, the couple. Judith and uh, uh, Renee. Yeah. Well, he, he. When I was a kid, I just found his, his father is a famous Spanish writer. Yeah, yeah. Well, my father was a famous Spanish writer. Wrote Counterattack in Spain. Wrote, his father was with the Anarchist Brigade in Spain. 
uh, and then a little bit of her, and I said, I know your name, and oh, I know your father's books. His father was a great anarchist writer. Yeah. What's his name? Let me know. I'm getting old again. Who is that? Do you remember? Well, Renee Sender, but I forgot. Yeah, I Ramon forgot. Sender. Or Ramon Sender. Ramon uh, Sender. Uh, is the uh, son. I forgot. Yeah, it was. Father. His father was Ramon Sender. His yeah. father is, was, uh, that's the first. Yeah. He, he bears his father's name. Oh, okay, good. And his father wrote Counterattack in Spain. Yeah. Seven Red Sundays, which is the story of this anarchist revolt in Barcelona. That was his father's work. Well, they did... Uh, they do they do a nice read up there and they uh, they, do. they're it's really sweet people and, and, it's a nice uh, book. It's and they put they put uh, they put uh, poets and writers together that was kind of a nice fit um, well anyway uh, so yeah, he's been that, here Ramon yeah, Ramon's been oh, here it was good good and uh, about his book he has a book about the communes he grew, grew up he he grew up he was uh, when some of the communes of the 60s he was there and brought that tradition yeah all right, well, I'm... Um, well, tell us what, got, you have, what you brought to the feast. Well, I've got some what new ones, but I'm going to start brother. one with the uh, older one because, uh, uh, because uh, Standing Rock uh, is in the news and it will continue to be in the news and is on the forefront. And we can't forget what's going on up there because that's just the beginning. There's going to be pro- more protests like this happening all over this country because there's other pipelines. So Good anyway... Uh, This is one I've read a while back. It's called More Signs. There are more signs. The seventh generation, surrounded by elders and youth, are now in leadership roles. Over 300 First Nations together from Turtle Island, people from around the world in solidarity with Lakota, who stand against the black snake. Veterans kneel on one leg in front of the Lakotas, saying what the Usan government will never say, that we steal everything, murder those who resist. Vets ask for forgiveness for themselves and veteran ancestors for these wars and crimes at Wounded Knee. As veterans, we question where is the honor in all this killing like Wounded Knee in 1890, when cavalry kill unarmed men, women, and children frozen in the snow in their death grips get Congressional Medals of Honor for doing so. Let the reconciliation begin. Rescind these medals. The first step to begin the healing, let it roll, disturb us. Then the real work begins, because in healing begins joy. All right. We will go with Beauty Lost. I stood on the wet sidewalks of San Francisco, streets, sidewalks, slick, sanitized, clean, all gussied up, pretty. City has its makeup on, a while since she had her sheen, her lights alive on skins of snakes. Electric snakes moving, undulating, can be fun. Elder first sees San Francisco at night in the late 40s, weeps at the beauty, seeing lights that twinkled bordered with darkness of the bay. The city charm seduces one away from the road one is on. This is the end game, the place you may have come for. Stay, take her in, but learn her secrets. San Francisco is home to some, carnival to others, as well as carnivores, not just of flesh, but souls as well. Built on the shell mounds of the graves of the Ohlone, her past is soiled, sullied. It is the unseen she doesn't want you to see or know. 
It is their stories we should want to hear. Even beauty has its ugly side. I like that one a lot, Richard. Well, well, I'm biased, you know, I'm a native San Franciscan. So when you talk about San Francisco, it's, you know, kind of gets right to to the heart of things for me. And also, I mean seeing the changes of San Francisco and knowing that, you know, it's a, it's a city of change. It always has been. It kind of sprung up overnight with the gold rush in a sense and um, has always been evolving. Uh, but we've certainly seen some, uh, some, some bigger changes, let's, let's say, uh, kind of compacted into the recent 10 or 15 years. Ooh, I do believe you're right. <laughs> yes, well... Uh, but you, but you did personify the city there. You think? I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I love this city. Yeah. I hate it too. Sure. But I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those types of relationships. Oh, well, where else could I go to have a relationship like that? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, everywhere else would be just so out of balance toward. Wouldn't be necessarily that interesting, uh, perhaps. Just black and white. Hmm. I'm dedicating this to anybody who's ever had the question asked, what are you doing here? It was asked of a friend of mine, of Renee. He, he does the uh, Voice Without Ink uh, thing on Thursday nights down at uh, Alley Cat, one, uh, second Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came in and told me this, and, I, and, and he goes out to San Francisco State. 69 was when state went out for ethnic studies, went out about all the racism and all the misinformation that was out there about, you know, in our educational system and wanting that to change. And here we are. It was last year he told me this, but hey, it's still there in 2017. There are white people still asking people of color, what are you doing here? Now, I I wept when he told me that. I mean, like uh, these students? kids ask him as a student, "What are you doing here?" And his his teacher, much to her credit, and he read the letter, and it was beautifully written and heartfelt. That yes, he does. He belongs here. So I dedicate mm. this to Renee, and I dedicate it to anybody. I don't care whether you're gay, straight, black, white, gray, gray, you know. Whoever, for whatever reason, someone decided they were going to ask you this. This is for you. Just black and white? Sometimes, yes, sometimes I feel like just like crying in the progress we think we made. Scabs are still not healed, and we are easily, and are easily removed, making wounds fresh. Breath taken, a word there, that looks that asks, that asks what are you doing here? Same as you, telling, living their stories. The question may be asked of our gringo brothers and sisters, what are you doing here? (laughs) All that has been going on since the great discovering is taking what was not yours to take and you killed for, never giving. A lot of death, a lot of real estate and resources sold over and over and over and over and over. It's 21st century, and it just keeps on going and going and going and going and gone. It's light that shines dark, that radiates its darkness against the light, and together it is our other halves, with all the flavors and colors in between. While others only see things in black and white, we see the beauty and color radiated by light absorbed in black. 
Let's move, walk, dance in beauty together so no one has to hear the question, what are you doing here? Let's flick our sweat off our brows, let it splash where it may, even onto the faces of our Caesars, Kings, and Georges, so they know they have no place in our lives. Hmm. Wowzy. Well, that's what we're doing, brother. We're building a community right here. Val and, uh, and Rich, it's amazing how every show we make more connections with people who are, has something similar in mind. Yeah, I know. It makes me think of, well, I read the poem a couple of weeks ago that I wrote called I'm Not White and Neither yeah. Are You. Um, I'm probably, I, I don't know if I feel like reading it right now, but. <laughs> do what you like to do. That's the great thing about that show. Do what we feel. They got something else, I'm sure, Richard. Yes. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, and you can be still be found there at, uh, uh, from time to time up there in the, in the, in the spirit, in the, uh, up there on uh, Hayes Street. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Sacred Grounds Cafe. At Sacred Grounds, of course. And I always go to Cafe International. I like to push That's happening right after this. So you hop, you you go over there after after here on Friday evenings? Yeah, I'm going to tell a story I, I, before I read this. Uh, it was a lesson. And uh, I felt really bad about it, but I talked over with uh, friends. Um, there was a, 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 a mother-daughter couple that came in, uh, a black and the mother had this great white hair, just a long face, beautiful skin, and it just, you know, she's just just radiated, striking, just radiated. And uh, well, anyway, I, I uh, you know, my that piece I read about Aunt Jemima. Yeah. Well, maybe my brain was out and I didn't realize it, but Shoot. she was she's in her late eighties. Wow. Now I've read that piece to I don't know how many. Uh, people of all colors and black included and everyone liked it but what i didn't realize is see there was a reason why i wrote that it's it's to t- let people know that not the people who know i'm not talking to them they know and she's one of them she knows it's to the younger people and to the people who don't know and uh, so what the lesson was was she looked at me with a steely look, and you know some steely looks can just freeze you and get to your soul that, uh-oh, maybe you've done something. And she's looked at me, and she said, I don't need to hear that. And it was about describing what my stepfather had dressed, because he was the Aunt Jemima. And I knew immediately. It was a little bit like the story of when uh, I heard about a woman whose uh, ancestor had the uh, Congressional Medals for Wounded Knee, and she tried to give them to a native man. He didn't want it. You're going to the wrong place. And I, I immediately knew what the problem was. And when she said that, I knew what the problem was, too. That she didn't want to hear it because she had lived it. That generation was the last, in many ways, the last Aunt Jemima generation. You're right. Yeah. And so that image is still out there. You know, it's still on those uh, packages. So, um, yeah, that was a lesson. I felt really bad because I felt like I brought her pain. Hmm. And I, again, I almost started, I started weeping because I didn't want to bring this woman any pain. No, I should say not. But, but we, we, we talked and everything after, it, it, it was okay. We were on good, good terms. And, 
and uh, but it's just a, a heed that if if, uh, if you're going to talk about something and you know that the, maybe the people are still alive, that you should uh, be aware of that. Anyway, no more protests. Love me, love me, I'm a liberal. Singer of protest, excuse me, I'm going to start that over. Love me, love me, I'm a liberal, so Phil Oak sings. Singer of protest music, music of love, caring for brothers, sisters under the thrall of abusive empires. Those songs became anthems of the time, but came to a sad end from bipolar and drinking. His friends murdered from Chile to Usa. He died from loss by hanging himself. Years later, it was found out the FBI had a file of 500 pages on Oaks. Buffy St. Marie sings how to change with love as her protest music proves, from Universal Soldier that got her blacklisted from the airways to today where she still gives no quarter as truth teller, lover of humanity. She remains vital in thought, mind. Given longer life than Phil Oaks, she still remains part of the struggle. We miss you, Phil. Long live Phil Oaks. We love you, Buffy. Long life for Buffy St. Marie. Oh, so beautiful. So much a part of this. So many memories. Well, thanks. Uh, did you have something else you wanted to do? Well, I don't know. We, I want to give the band time. Yeah, the band is ready. Uh, I, in fact, what I'd like to do, why don't you read something more? Read and then the band will have time. The band is ready. And why don't you look... Uh, hey, Val. Why don't you look and see on YouTube whether I'd be so happy if you could find on YouTube anything by Jabig. Ja, ja, like Ja Rastafari. He was Ja Big. He was there with Maurice back in the day, early 80s, we're talking about. We're talking about a certain kind of transition time. When my son was young, he's 51 now. And, hey. and he, he's 51 now. And where he first learned to, to, to love and to play the bass guitar, it was thanks to Maurice Rock. And we had Maurice, but he was also living. I don't tune into the blues Say that we give thanks and praises Unto the most high How my playback in music Gonna make I feel like me Since I found reggae Got no time for the blues It's the healing of the nation Get the worries of the day now The problem ain't 
big since I found reggae and that was a nice little you know musical interlude it wasn't exactly 420 but it was close enough um, so here's a plan we're gonna have Richard uh, give us a poem and then I'm gonna throw on a track and make and we're gonna do a little sound check with the band that's out there Silk Road Truckers I'm really excited they're all set up out there um, we're gonna do a little sound check with them in just a moment so Richard. All right. Well, this is uh, uh, this is for the band. I've never heard them, uh, but they sound raucous, and so uh, because of that, I'm dedicating this. Uh, it's called the Cock Struts. Cock Struts down the street. Struts. Watch us for that hen who pecks and is good at finding food, so a strutting cock can spend more time strutting. He loves crowing, but the two-legged got it all wrong. Crows don't crow, they cock in the morning, meaning it's time to, to arise. Cock needs several hens to take care of all his overpowering urges. He stops, ruffles, shakes his feathers, giving a heavier layered look, though underneath he's as skinny as a rail, preens a bit, and again begins his strut. Life is good for a strutting cock. There are still enough attracted to this sort of style. Any intellect goes on both parts are thrown out the door in this uncontrollable urge. Ideas and experiments incarnate themselves in every generation, and all of it is new. 
The strutting cock has been offered to play in a group with Coyote and Crawling King Snake. Coyote and Snake Thought Strut, as he is called, uh, would be a good, strong performer and singer, perfect for the role. After all, Mick Jagger and a lot of other performers stole the acts from struts, struts like him. But you have to give it up for James Brown. He's been inducted into the Holy Strutters Hall of Fame, the only two-legged that's been accepted into the hall so far. It's all happened because Kingsnake decided it's time to make more music. Needs something to keep sane. Strut likes the idea of having three hands for backup pecking behind him and making those hot hen sounds. It was decided, yes, there would be one of each. One coyotus, one crawling queen snake, and hen. Preferably somebody from the hen party. They really know how to have fun. One of the Strut's favorite singers is Tom Waits. He scratches, screams, howls, howls, struts with the best. Even one of the greatest screamers of all time, Screamin' Jay Hawkins, sang Waits songs. Strut wants to create that kind of excitement, expanding on and, and without copying it. It's set then for the first rehe- rehearsal between them. May the future hold sounds that make us swoon, howl, and roll. Yeah. Nice, yeah, Richard. So you know, very symbolic. So head on, my brothers. This is the first. Nice. You know, it's uh, it's the year of the rooster too, yeah, well, and uh, that's my year too. Oh, hey. Wow. Yeah. So so El Gallo Mas Gallo, right? The cock of the walk. That's right. Um, that's a good one, Richard. Thank you. So let's play some music and let's let's sound check the band. And this is uh, this is Hot uh, Off of Hate Street. Yeah, they're, they're, we're going to do a little sound check band. for the for the Silk Here's Road the truckers.
Shockers, and uh, we hail from Hate Street.
much. of that spirit and that spirit that brought you back to hate street am i right hell yeah back to hate street there at uh, the red vic is that right damn straight damn straight and on the tw- on the 26th got- free love that's what we're talking about right there hate free love on the- that street that some called love and others called hate street i was there with that summer of love i turned 30 in fact oh man on that street that summer 1967 50 years ago and it just happens that the Spirit has brought you there. The summer of love was all summer long. And this is the beginning of that res- resurrection revival. You're going to be on the street on the 26th of February. Is that right? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And so I'll be, I'll, I'll be joining you there. Is that going to be in the afternoon? Yes. In the afternoon, in the light of day. And the folks are still there. The folks who call themselves the Dirty Kids, the Krusties, the Gutter Punks, the folks with their dogs and the ropes. The folks who are still keeping that spirit going. And they, I got gentrified out some time ago, but some of my spirit is still there all the days I spent so many years ago up and down Hate Street at the soup kitchen. You hear about the soup kitchen? That's where we'd all go eat every day. I was with the Food Not Bombs, too. We'd serve every day. Rock and roll, Dave. Every Rock Monday and roll. Eight. And then uh, the soup kitchen would be open every day, Tuesday to Friday, and we'd all, we'd all meet there, all the various Hate Street characters. And here we are now, 50 years later, and we'll be jumping free. Give us a couple more songs, will you, brothers? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Thank you again to me and your radio for having us today, and Diamond Dave especially, and all the folks here hanging out today. It's really a pleasure and an honor to be on the radio. Goddamn, it's awesome. Rock on. MutinyRadio.fm. Okay. Next year's flood, we were going to play something nice, but now we're going to play something a little bit hard. I hope we're allowed to swear on this radio. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. You ready? Oh, my fucker. You don't have it here. Well, we are uh, currently looking for a uh, slide. How can people find your music other than uh, being lucky and, ha- and uh, happening well, upon you guys? I guess Instagram for now. We haven't officially gone to the recording studio yet because, uh, you know, it's expensive to record. Sure. So we're just making sure that we're all ready and tight before we uh, spend our hard-earned money. We uh, made a website called thesilkroadtruckers.com. Perfect. And it's, uh, for now, it's just got our tour dates, our, our tour dates, our show dates here in the city. And uh, our next show is going to be uh, this midnight, uh, Saturday at midnight at uh, Showdown. And uh, the next event we'll be playing is uh, Monday, the 27th at Brick and Mortar. Oh, cool. Right on. 
Yeah, and also March 4th, Saturday, March 4th. It's the no, it's Sunday, March 4th, I guess, technically at midnight. It's the last day that uh, Showdown is open. Playing the last set at the last show at the uh, last night at that bar, which is kind of a bummer to lose another music venue in the, here in the city, but hey, we'll make music anywhere. That's right. Yeah, Let it, that's take, it, take it out with a bang, I guess, huh? Uh, the next one we'd like to play for you is called Next Year's Flood. Yep, I think we're about ready. Well, we're almost ready. You know, we also have our Facebook page. It really is, uh, yeah, we try and make ourselves available in as many ways as possible. But, uh, all right. Okay, great. We played that game, but I haunted on thin all the fun around And I'm on her feet, about to hit the floor Right on out that Wow, 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 wow,
begins right here. Once again. The Silk Road Truckers. I always say, the first day is the, uh, today is the first day of the rest of our life. So let's keep it going. Give us one more tune, will you, brothers? Yeah, or two. Or two. Why we got, you get, we got some time. We haven't heard yet from any, so yeah, give us a couple more tunes. Can I give? Can yeah, I get a? Can I get a quick sound check on the on the guitar, the um, the electric, over there? Yeah. Give a quick sound check on that guitar, please. Make some noise there. Yeah, just make some noise. Okay, good. Okay, good. Nice. Thank you. Cool. Okay. Well, what do you guys say? Fast or slow? Slow? Mm-hmm. Well, play our song. Our song or uh, Heart Throb 11? Heart Throb 11? All right. We'll play a slow song now.
from each other. Yeah, that was, that was amazing. So good to have you here. And so good to know I'm going to come looking for you on the 26th, right there in that street that's some called Love and some called Hate Street. And I'm sure we'll find one another. And this takes me back to those early days. And now we're about to kick it off then. Now, and this is a good kickoff. A kickoff. There'll be many kickoffs for the 50th anniversary Summer of Love. Am I right? That's right. I don't think anybody in this band was even born back then. But I got that spirit. <laughs> I will be there. But the beat goes on. I will show you the beat goes on. Because give us one more song, will you, brothers? Oh, yeah. We, have. we always want to give you more. I know you do, and I do too. Nice. Well, that's right. That's what she did say. So I'd say let's maybe play uh, Colorado or Queen and Country. Colorado. That sounds very right. good. I need to my cable for that. Let's play Colorado. Yeah. Alright, we're gonna play one more fast one for you. Uh, this one is uh, this one's about my dad. Man, he was a coal miner in Colorado and then he uh, also rode motorcycles and he left Colorado to move out to California to become a carpenter like I am and uh, this is about that ride uh, through the mountains, getting to California and starting the new phase of his life. It's a fast one, it's good. Takes a little bit of preparation for this one. Remember, you can always find our show dates at uh, thesilkroadtruckers.com. Mm hmm.
Mutiny Radio. We love you. Yeah, right on. The Silk Road Truckers. This is awesome. I, I, you know, I sit here sometimes and I'm like, man, I love, I love that I get to do this. That was some. You guys are so talented. I love the rock and roll. I love that you guys are living in the hate and keeping it, keeping that spirit alive and keeping that music going. Jam band heaven. Uh, yeah, the resurrection. Yeah. Bloodflower here is in, says he's in jam band heaven. <laughs> and I see the resurrection of the uh, of that summer they call the summer of love. And I mentioned coming the the rainbow gathering. I hope you guys can work together. I'm going to come by uh, by your uh, by by where you are up there. I'm going to be there on the 26th. But things are good to get together an acoustic. If you can have an acoustic set, you can take it up to the woods, up to the rainbow gathering. It would be so good, and I'd love to introduce you there. Is that possible? Is that probable? Let's do it. It's a date, but I'll be up there on the 26th for sure. All if right. not, be, not before, that. and I'll look for you guys. Look for, I'll look for you, look for me. And this be the Common Thread Collective. Thanks for coming through. Yeah, and this is all... Um this is a part of the Common Thread Collective podcast. If you go to mutinyradio.fm, it'll show up right after the show around a little after 6 o'clock this evening. I hope I was able to uh, mix the sound for you guys wow. <laughs> properly. And uh, that, was, that was awesome. That was so cool. I can't wait to see you guys live on the street. And uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll come on down to the hate on the 26th. Go, everybody go down to Hate Ashbury for the Hate Free Love. It's a big co- uh, community gathering for uh, giveaways in the spirit of the diggers. The diggers. And I was there then. I was there now. Hey, what do you think, brother? I think it's great. <laughs> okay, that's good. Look at that. that was a lot of fun. This guy. That was a lot of fun. He's a carpenter. <laughs> His brother, your father was a motorcycle guy, right? Oh yeah. And I can feel it in your music, and I look at you. Look at this dude. He's a hefty dude. 
He's a father like father like son. <laughs> I agree. And uh, here we are. So anyway, I'm glad you're happy coming down here. It'll be too to be continued. And thinking of this as one of your voices, this is a voice to get out to the world, let people know where you are, where you can be found, and what it's all about. It's about doing more together than any of us can do on our own. Yeah, you know, I really hope we're able to come back here and play with you guys again. It was a really uh, nice time and a wonderful experience. And, uh, yeah, we uh, just want to play for the people of San Francisco. So watch out for us. We're going to be playing everywhere uh, in the next couple months. Nice. Uh, and you guys are... Booking shows like crazy. And you guys are playing at the showdown? You said, yeah, is that later tonight or tomorrow night? At, uh, this Saturday night at midnight. Okay. And then we'll be playing at Brick and Mortar on Monday uh, the 27th. Awesome. Very cool. Where's the showdown again? Showdown, it's uh, I think ninth between Market and uh, Mission. Okay. That area. Yeah, right on. All right, well, that can be found, so thanks for coming through. To be yeah, continued. thank you. I was there when the dead first showed up uh, at Ken Casey's <laughs> place in 1965. And here you guys. So it's well, a, thank you for still being a, here. A hipstery to to, to degree. That's right. Uh, Just touch Diamond Dave. He's kind of he's kind of the uh, the uh, the cultural. Uh, like oh, a, man. oh man! Still <laughs> I don't even know what to say. We call him a countercultural uh, Forrest Gump of sorts. He's he's been everywhere at those key moments. So uh, may this kick off. Uh, it's a key moment. Hey, this will this be Val? This be a key moment. Thank you, man. They write the history. Good bit, better bit of has never been written. History books? Why they have the books? Her story? That's the woman's move in the 70s when women stepped up and say, hey, it's not just his story. It's coming back. It's her story, too. But now with the whole story, it's called Hip Story, which all these underground connections are going to happen on a rainy day on the mission and set it off on another level. Here we go. That's right. That's right. And I heard that Wind Song, speaking of women, I heard that Wind Song showed up and is going to play us a song. Where? Uh, that's what Bloodflower conveyed. And then also uh, James Ellis has just showed up and he's going to be doing a piece, I believe, with uh, Bloodflower in just a couple minutes. We've got about 20 more minutes left in the show. So uh, let's see what's going to happen next. You guys are all awesome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Being here part of the Common Thread Collective. We cast that wide net find the common thread let life flourish and we don't panic we just keep it organic and so uh yeah i hope i mix, sound mix that all right it's kind of hard there's like this room right here that i'm in with the windows and on the other side there's this live fucking band uh, and i can hear it all so um we'll see what happens on the recording folks but uh thanks for coming down to be part of community radio here Mutiny Radio, San Francisco. We be doing it. It's the 50th anniversary of the Summer of Love. Who knows if there's going to be a permit for a live uh, concert in the park later in June. Uh, the city says no. Boo. Um, but we'll see what happens. Like Diamond Dave says, we already have a permit. It's called the First Amendment. Here's a little music from uh, Mama Kotal, Border Crossing Diosa. And then we're going to get a uh, wind song up there. Beatrice Fools, Craftco, Philip Morris, Ralston Purina, Carnation Nestle, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Domino's, Walmart's and Costco's, DuPont, Maseca, Danone. Food is 
while we're getting uh, set up for wind song to play um, on if you want to go out to, uh, speaking of the hate you could go out to the hate tonight to the milk bar mutiny radio's own dj honeycomb brown is going to be spinning her soul shakedown at the milk bar starting at 8 p.m tonight five dollar cover uh, san francisco's premier soul f- and funk party 60s motown 70s soul funk all vinyl um, she's an amazing dj Go check out DJ Honeycomb Brown. And um, just if you want to, to shake it, so to speak. You can also head out to, uh, if you're on the East Bay tonight, out in Oakland, Studio Moray, which is on MLK. That's M-O-R-E-Y, Studio Moray. Uh, they're having sounds at the speed of life, some spoken word and some music. Music from the punk funk mob and some spoken word from the likes of Natasha Dennerstein, who is a badass Aussie. Um and a uh, great poet. So that should be fun out there. And um, also on Sunday, there's going to be uh, Kasi Dot, our, our, our reading over there at Adobe Books on 24th Street. That's for Sunday from 3 to 5 p.m. It'll be myself, uh, Global Valley Barra, also with James Zealous, E.K. Keith, Kim Shuck, who is nominated for Poet Laureate of San Francisco, um, as well as uh, we think Bear is going to be out there, and uh, possibly even Tongo Isa Martin. So uh, looking forward to that. And on Tuesday evening is going to be the Word Party. That's Poetry and Jazz Open Mic. It's a call at a place called Piano Fight on Taylor Street in the Tenderloin. So if you come on out for that fun, free event. And wind song. With a, with a parrot on her big parrot on her back, and he's looking around. Say, what is this? Who are these people? But this is a this is a new instrument that wind song's taking up. I happened to talk to her. She said, I have a new instrument. I said, come on down to play. This is Wednesday or Thursday. I'd like to hear you on the bazooki. And here she be. Yeah. So good to Hi, see everybody. Um, glad to be here. I walked here in the rain, um, just carrying a lot of prayers from my neighborhood. Um, all the undocumented people in our community um, just really been holding a lot of space and a lot of support and a lot of love um, for, for La Mission. So here we be. <laughs> Thank you. 
during these troubled times, it even feels like a storm. Where do you find safety? This song is to remind you of the love that is all around even when you can't feel it. Deeper, deeper into the heart of love. Deeper, deeper into the heart of love. Letting go into the mystery. Letting go into the mystery. Letting go into the mystery Rising in So beautiful. 
Hey, Windsong. Hey, Diamond So Dave. glad you were able to come through the rain. Yeah, me too. And here you are. Look, and it's a war- we're bringing a little warmth. And here we are. If you'd like to do a second, I'd love that. Yeah. Okay, I have one more. Oh, you do? Beautiful.
Sounds so nice. Thanks for coming by, Beautiful. sister. Just walking the rain. I think we have about 10 minutes left or so. I see James is here. That's true. It's, and he's, uh, it's, it's time to get up there. James, get on up there. Take us out with our brother Krishnamurti. It'll fit perfectly with the with the Sufi patterns of windsong. Krishnamurti. All the brothers and sisters come together. I know. We speak of many spiritual traditions right here. I know. Windsong kind of like kind of tick us like floating over over some like heathered plains or something there. I don't it's been a really elevating day. Love day. And uh, we do, we have a, a few more minutes, not exactly 10, but uh, a few. And we want to make sure to thank uh, Organic Valley, oh, but, our but friends at I Organic mean, Valley for sponsoring Diamond Dave so that we could uh, have this show every week. And uh, we thank them for their inspiration of their organic farming uh, methods and also the way that they've uh, formed a, a very successful collective uh, model of a business. And they're doing a lot of good work. Um, they've been feeding the people up at Standing Rock. They feed people after the hurricanes down in Louisiana and New Jersey. And um, we're, we're blessed to have them as friends in our circle. Wow. Well, I had made that too, Val. I'm blessed to have you to you as a friend here, as a friend and co-host and partner, as we bring this off each and every week. And every week is a surprising, amazing, astounding as people come together right here. Likewise, Dave, and okay. wise like. Wise like I always say. And then I say to there people. There you go, James Ellis. Thank you, Global Val. Thank you, Diamond Dave. This is Mr. J. Krishnamurti. Why do ideas take root in our minds? Why do not facts become all important? Not ideas. Why do theories, ideas, become so significant rather than the fact? Is it that we cannot understand the fact? Or have not the capacity? Or are afraid of facing the fact? Therefore, ideas, speculations, theories, our means of escaping away from the fact. You may run away. You may do all kinds of things. The facts are there. The fact that one is angry. The fact that one is ambitious. The fact that one is sexual. A dozen things. You may suppress them. You may transmute them. Which is another form of suppression. You may control them, but they're all suppressed, controlled, disciplined, with ideas. Do not ideas waste our energy? Do not ideas dull the mind? You may be clever in speculation, in quotations, but it is obviously a dull mind that quotes James Ellis, that has read a lot in quotes. You remove the conflict of the opposite at one stroke if you live with the fact and therefore liberate the energy to face the fact. For most of us, contradiction is an extraordinary field in which the mind is caught. 
I want to do this. And I do something entirely different. But if I face the fact of wanting to do this, there is no contradiction. And therefore, at one stroke, I abolish altogether all sense of the opposite. My mind is completely concerned with what is. With the understanding of what is. This is James Ellis. It's called Resistance Demystifier. It's been said, what you resist shall persist. Shall we look at this? To resist. There must be the thing resisted. So, contrary to popular opinion, resistance is a stance requiring the thing you say you desire to go away, to in fact stay, for the resistance to be. Say it another way. You object. Yet, to do so, there must be that object. It's a marriage. It requires there be two. Me and the not me I call you. Can we look at this? This process? This falseness? It also takes place in consciousness. Take the conceit that is self-analysis. There's a thing. There's judgment. Which is thought. And there's this thing judged. Actually, a memory. And memory is thought. So, the judge is the judged. A thought about a thought is one thing. A pretense of two things. But you're really one. It's thought. It's the human condition. Look, I am her. She is me. And we are one thing. The body of humanity. So I waste no more time hating on something I call other than me than I would shooting myself in the foot. And the guilty are forgiven? Is that the benefit of the Tao? Thank you, James Ellis. Thank you, Bloodflower. And thanks, everybody, who came down to be a part of the Common Thread Collective today. Uh, it's been in a really an amazing show. Um, we started out uh, we started out at the beginning of the show with Paul Tota, his new book, The Gospel of Everyone. Um, 
and uh, it was great to, to talk to him about that. And then, of course, we had Max in here talking about the organic garden towers that are going up the, the Convent Art Collective over on Oak Street. Um, stay tuned for more about that. It's a revolution. It's about stewardship and growing our own food. Uh, thank you, Richard Sandrell, of course, for being here and sharing your work and your, your stories and words. Um, want to thank the Silk Road Truckers uh, for putting on a full show with a full band, uh, drum kit and all. Good thing it's before 10 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> we're here every Friday from 3 to 6. Um, thanks, Diamond Dave, for all that you do. Uh, we, wouldn't be, we wouldn't be doing this uh, if it weren't for you. And uh, I'm certainly happy we can all be here every Friday. And... Uh, how am I missing? A wind song. My goodness. Uh, my goddess. My goodness. My goddess. My goddess. My goodness. My goodness for bringing the goodness of the goddess into, into into this space and elevating it as such. So, um, again, thanks, everybody, for being part of the show today and every Friday here on MutinyRadio.fm, San Francisco. Uh, I'll leave you with a little music from the band Hazy Loper, uh, the ghost of the Barbary. And do come out on uh, Sunday, if you wish, to Adobe Books from 3 to 5 for a great collection of readings um, called Kasi Dot. Um, there's also going to be a climate march okay. in hey, Richmond happening? on Sunday as well. So again, here's a little music from Hazy Loper. Stay tuned for the happy hour uh, comedy open mic and uh, join us again next week. Peace. And we love you. So let's raise a tone the ghosts of the Barbary Coast we swing a bottle between our long skies to all of the gamblers, to the gold seeking ramblers, to the forest maze that follows the town. Insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite. I'm gonna guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby! There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. This is Tutor Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! 
Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's Performance Space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRack. <laughs> Subliminal SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now! 
now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Second annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is coming March 1st through 5th, 2017 to San Francisco, featuring 25 shows in five days and 50 comedians from across the entire U.S. From Washington and Portland to Los Angeles, New York to Indiana, Tennessee to Pennsylvania, these comics will join San Francisco's best underground comedians for five days of comedy at Mutiny Radio. All shows will be live streaming and available after via podcast at www.mutinyradio.fm. But see them live in our intimate 30-seat performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Mission, March 1st through 5th. Tickets available on our website, www.mutinyradio.fm now. Brought to you by our generous festival sponsors, Alta California Botanicals, Destiny's Mom, What a Tomato Produce Company, the law offices of John P. Strauss III, Asiento, FruitFruitHot.com, Jankytown.org, Brooke Heineken, Pervert Fervor, and Trina Roderick. Asiento. This locally owned Mission neighborhood bar and restaurant is excited to be a sponsor for the festival. We hope you'll join us any night of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival for happy hour pricing all night long. Just mention that you are an audience member for happy hour pricing March 1st through the 5th at Asiento. Our address is 2730 21st Street at Bryant Street, just a half a block away from Mutiny Radio. Asiento has a warm, friendly neighborhood vibe that's perfect for an after-work drink or for a night out. Featuring a comfortable bar and extensive...
It's time, it's time, it's time for the happy hour here at Mutiny Radio. The happy hour. The happiest hour of all hours. 